Hello and welcome to Price of Football, the podcast that takes a look at the money behind the beautiful game, even though the beautiful game is still not being played. I'm Kevin Day and around 65 miles away in rural Sussex is football finance expert at Liverpool University, Kieran Maguire. How are you, Kieran? I'm, I'm very well, thank you, Kevin. Um, apart from a slight interruption the other night... Um, when Sheffield Wednesday announced that they'd uh, that their owners had been uh, relieved of charges, they they were being prosecuted by the EFL, and uh, they they've been they've been dropped in terms of the charges. Um, so that was at half past ten. Um, I, I was in I was in bed with the Baroness, and ten minutes later, uh, a phone call came through from a young lady journalist asking me for a quote. Um, which which wasn't particularly well appreciated at the time. Uh, the Baroness said, who's that woman on the phone? Uh, and I was trying to explain that uh, it was a young lady journalist. Uh, she could certainly hear the female voice at the end of it, but wasn't too impressed. I, I think it's fair to say that we had a bit of social distancing uh, in our bed that night. <laughs> Probably got into a bit too much detail there, Kieran, but you know, you took the phone call because, as you know, you are a relentless self-publicist. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> who d- <laughs> who described you as that this week? I, it's somebody quite high profile in the game, wasn't it? I can't remember. <laughs> but I'm sure the, Bar- the Baroness doesn't listen to this pod, does she? Because I don't think she'd be too pleased at you announcing that you... No, no, she's got more sense. Yeah. Well, who's that school... I can see a photo. Is that a school photograph behind you, by the way? That is my school photograph oh. from... 1980. Oh, really? That was, that was the year I left college. Oh, I was about to do a joke about you being a teacher there, but there you go. <laughs> well, I, I have actually taught now in five decades, the 80s, 90s, uh, noughties, teenies and 20s. So it's it's been a long time, uh, long time teaching. Well, you're teaching me and you're teaching the, our listeners on this pod. Uh, I'm delighted to say, Kieran, we have a, a special guest joining us shortly, remotely, of course, um, in the shape of Danny Macklin, who is the chief executive of League Two Club Leighton Orient. But before we talk to him, Kieran, there's a, there's a few things we need to talk to. This crisis is, is developing. We don't know how long it's going to, to last. But there have been a couple of good things coming out of it. Crystal Palace announcing they will be paying full wages for sick and self-isolating staff and casual workers. Chelsea donating the hotel, the ground to NHS workers for nothing. Gary Neville, Ryan Giggs doing the same with their hotel. So football is pulling together a little bit, isn't it? Yes, yeah, and all credits all involved, and Wilfred Zaha as well. I think it's absolutely fantastic what he's done um, in in making some homes available to NHS staff. We've seen Robert Lewandowski uh, give a million euros uh, to help fight the COVID campaign. So, you know, football gets an awful lot of stick, but I think there are plenty of individuals concerned who are doing the right thing for the right reasons. I think we've also got to give credit to Manchester United and Liverpool, who have also committed themselves to uh, paying their part-time staff for the remainder of the season season um it's showing that people do have a social conscience uh, and football is not necessarily an impersonal industry which is just focused on money and it, it's nice because we did before this probably blew up we did hope that that would happen as well didn't we we and you you thought it would happen you knowing more about football finances than i did you you suspected that premier league clubs in particular would would pull their weight and do the socially responsible thing well, you, you always live in hope. And remember, ultimately, football clubs, they're not institutions by themselves. It does come down to the individuals there. Um, and there are lots of good people in the game. So uh, fair play to them. And I hope that, that that example will be followed by other clubs as well. Now, we've, we've seen the government offer help to salaried staff this week. 
which is not much use to the for freelance entertainers who live in my house, but I'm sure that will change. No indication yet that football clubs at a lower level, we're talking to Danny from Leighton Orient soon, that football clubs may get any help. Well, uh, I mean, the, the EFL have actually put together a £50 million uh, rescue package. Uh, what they've done is that, that clubs were due to receive money at the end of the season as part of their, their broadcast income, and that's been accelerated. So that's going to help them to pay some of the costs. Uh, the EFL are also giving grants two clubs as part of that deal um, which is good news um, and as much as I'm not necessarily the, the biggest fan of former Goldman Sachs Brexiteer chancellors in the Tory party uh, I think what the chancellor has done has also helped uh, employers uh, in terms of a paying a contribution to board's wages and b sort of deferring mm. some of the the ongoing costs that you'd have as a business in the form of paye ni vat and so on you know it's not making those costs or all of those costs necessarily disappear you're still going to have to pay the tax but uh, certainly the contribution towards wages at a time when everybody in the hospitality sector in the travel sector and, and in the entertainment industry is suffering because their businesses are being closed down that's got to be welcomed yeah. Yeah. Um, no indication yet officially of what's going to happen to the seasons. The EFL are very keen for the season to be completed, but the longer it goes on, the less likely it looks like it will be completed, is it? I'm still, I'm still hopeful. Um, I, I think that from a perspective of litigation, um, uh, it's got to be finished. You've got to finish 2019-20 because you can't start 2020-21 unless you know which teams are in which divisions. And, and there's no way the likes of Leeds United uh, are going to sit down and just accept that they're not going to be promoted mm. this season. So I, I think that there will be an effort to... Uh, finish this season off even if that means matches taking place behind closed doors and clearly we've discussed this before the the Premier League clubs are in a better position better's not good though but they're in a better position to be able to deal with that than the clubs in the EFL who are more dependent upon match day revenues now one thing that has been confirmed since we last spoke and literally the day after was that the Euros definitely off I don't think anyone was surprised um the only surprise is Tokyo still seem to want to have the Olympics. Uh, the Euros definitely off will have an impact on next season, especially on the women's Euros as well, I imagine. Or do you think they would try and run both those tournaments concurrently? Um, I, I think they're going to try to find some solution for this but I think it will be very difficult uh, the Euros do take place over a significant period of time um, they have managed to reach some form of agreement with the Copper America so th so those two tournaments aren't clashing um, sometimes you have to go and tweak the timetable um, and of course with the with the Euros being pushed back for 12 months, um, this might have implications for the start of the 21-22 season. And, of course, that's going to lead into the World Cup. So it, there's going to be a lot of lot of figures in this particular football jigsaw. But you've got to give some faith to the, the administrators. You know, they, they will be looking um, at, at their scheduling, uh, trying to make sure that not too many things clashes because it's in nobody's interest for that to be the case. <laughs> Uh, and I, I presume we're not looking at uh, UEFA paying compensation to the, the countries that aren't having the tournament this year. They will simply have it next year and any money will be deferred. Um, 
yes i mean i, th- I think the the hosts have probably already paid a large amount of money for the the rights to host the tournament so from a cash flow point of view this is bad news for the fa because they've committed to more matches than any other institution so therefore yeah they were hoping to get that money back when the matches were taking place so that will be a hit so that will impact upon uh, yeah their 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 ability to contribute towards grassroots football in 2020-21 but whether we'll be playing any grassroots football uh, during that year is is still up for debate now this is i'm going to break off here with an indication of how bad i am at modern technology because i just saw your dog in the background on skype as my cat came into the office and for a brief millisecond i thought we're gonna to have to keep those two apart aren't we <laughs> well yeah my dog is actually very good when it comes to television he uh, he actually saw me once on the television um when we had a when we had a sky cameras outside and he ran in from the lounge around the side of the house and and tried to get in and join in himself well you, well, you mean the dog's a relentless self-publicist as well absolutely <laughs> i imagine i imagine he's more used to seeing you on tv than than in real life isn't he and the baroness the baroness must wonder who this six foot bloke is wandering into the house uh yes I, i'm sure uh people will be uh, mightily relieved when normal services is uh is returned um and, and we can get back to, to back back to arguing about var which is uh which yeah let's face it for the first six weeks of this year was the most important thing in our lives uh, i i never thought i'd find myself saying this but God, I miss VAR. <laughs> it's, just, it's, really, it's, it's, it, it's interesting how um, both the BBC and BT Sport um, are plugging some of the gaps by showing old football. The BBC is showing old FA Cup games. The big match revisited is on BT Sport. And a, a lot of the rose-coloured glass is falling out of my spectacles because, Jesus, some of it's terrible, wasn't it? it, it it's <laughs> terrible. And I think, you know, what, what about the pitches? I mean, it was, it was rolled oh. mud. And this was this is where professionals yeah. paying up. And of course, you start off with rolled mud, which very quickly cuts up. Um, and uh, I think we we don't realise because it has been something which has evolved over a series of years. Just that in terms of the improvements um, in, in the playing playing facilities, but also the athleticism of the players that we accept as a norm these days. Well, also, there was a, there was an old Palace game on the big match we visited last week that Ed and I sat down to watch and. The keeper picked up a back pass and Ed was like, what are you doing? You can't. <laughs> so I, I had to explain to him about the ever-evolving rules of football. Yes, yes. Well, you know, and uh, un- unusual formations as well. You know, the, the idea of uh, false number nines and uh, three one two fours and so on. That was It was 4-4-2 or 4-4-2. Yeah. Now, we're, we're about to be joined by uh, Danny Macklin, the CEO of Leighton Orient, um, technology willing. And if there is a breakdown, I'm guessing it'll be on my part. Um, before Danny joins us, and bef- before all this happened, what sort of uh, state were Leighton Orient's finances in? Were they uh, a club that were well insulated against problems? Well, I think if you look at the history of Leighton Orient over the course of the la- last decade, um, they've been through some horrendous periods. Um, and uh, you know, the good thing is that they've now got a, a new owner who um, is has been very successful in his own right. Uh, he, he is based in the States, but uh, he... Uh, 
He effectively devolves responsibility on a day-to-day basis to the likes of Danny. And as a consequence, yeah, they've now been promoted back out of non-league football, which is really tough. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it's just as tough as getting out of the Championship into the Premier yeah. League. Um, and it, and it, and there are some parallels there because the clubs that come down from League Two and um, they do have parachute payments, which the which the National League clubs don't have, and therefore they become sort of the big fish in the small pond. Um, and, and they don't necessarily find it as easy as they think it's going to be coming back. So it's good news uh, for Leighton Orient to be back in League Two. Um, yeah, as a football fan, I've been there on many an occasion um, as an away fan, and it's always a cracking atmosphere. And, and mm. you know, if you like your old school football stadiums, it's, it's a wonderful place to visit. I, I remember a game, 1979. It was the game before we got promoted. Actually, so you know that season, Palace and Brighton were oh, d- yeah. ding dong in it. There were 19,000 people at Brisbane Road. A lot of them Palace fans, but it was a proper ground, wasn't it? You could look down on the gardens of the houses behind from from the old terrace. But they're a club. They've only ever spent one season in in the top flight. They're a club that's always struggled with bigger clubs just down the road. We, we were always talking on this pod about the Northwestern clubs, how difficult it is for them in the shadow of the Manchester clubs. But for Orient, it's just as difficult. They're not that far from Tottenham, not that far from West Ham. Still have a very loyal fan base who stayed with them in, in the National League days, but it's, it's hard for them to maximise income because they're not... They are a London club, technically, the same way Palace are, but they're a long way from the, the glamour of, of the middle of London where the tourists go, aren't they? Yes, yeah, you, you're not going to get on a flight to Heathrow, pop on the tube, and say take take me to Leighton. So um, they, well, they not, have not for a bit, not for about a year anyway. <laughs> True. Um, so yeah, fair play to them in, in what they've done. I think what they, they their approach is we are a community club and we are a part of a local hub, and and therefore that, that allows people to identify with Leighton Orient. It's a completely different experience to the Premier League, but it doesn't make it an inferior experience. It makes it yeah, different and it makes it more personal. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you wish them all the best. It, it, it is going to be tough getting out of League Two. Um, and if they want to, you know, I think that their ambitions will be to to progress and, and that's right and proper. Um, but uh, they've done well so far. And, you know, so far you, they've, they've generated money to just about cover their costs. Um, but you know those lower leagues, it's it, it's it's a nightmare uh, in terms of the the implications of COVID. There's there's one really good way to wind up Leighton Orient fans as well, who in general are a genial, amiable bunch. But you, if you just tell them that you're everybody's second favourite London team, that really annoys them because they're a very difficult team to dislike, basically. And everyone seems to look out for their results in London. They hate that. They they really don't want to be patronised like that, do they? No, no, because your club is your club, and, and we we quite like being feisty. We quite like being disliked. I mean, you must know that um, you, you, as, as a Palace fan, you, you're not exactly popular with clearly us at Brighton, Charlton, and Millwall, and, and for some strange reason, Watford as well. I've got no idea why there's this beef between Palace and Watford. Yes, you do. We've had this. I can tell you exactly why there's beef between Palace and Watford because they think Zaha dived. For the penalty in the playoff final in 2013, that's we never had any beef at all before then, and he he didn't quite clearly, but they've done their best to get back at him ever since. That's why the beef. It's a strange beef. It's they take it more seriously than we do. It's, we Charlton and Millwall fans get really cross because we say to them, "No, it's Brighton. We don't care about Charlton and Millwall." And what we have to do the same thing to Watford fans. So we, you can hate us as much as you want. It's Brighton that we hate. You, we don't hate you. You don't even register on, on our. Yeah, we're just relieved we don't have to live in Watford, essentially. 
<laughs> right. Well, I, I can sympathise with that. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. So we are joined now, as promised, by Danny Macklin, who's the CEO at Leighton Orient. Um, first things first, Danny, thank you for joining us. Are all your staff fine? No reported cases? No self-isolating? Yeah, two hours ago, that's what I would have said. Uh, we've made an announcement literally at three o'clock this afternoon. Unfortunately, one of our players has proved positive for the test. Uh, they've been in self-isolation along with the, the squad and football staff for seven days and will remain so for another seven days. So, yeah, that came as a bit of a shock as he's been uh, showing very mild symptoms and you know, nothing more than sort of a, a really common cold. But, yeah, he, he's doing well. And, yeah, we'll continue to follow the government guidance uh, on that over the uh, next seven days. And, yeah, hopefully there won't be uh, any other cases within the squad or with any of the staff as well. Well, please, God, yeah. Of course, we all wish him well. Um, we, we spent a couple of minutes, Danny, just putting Leighton Orient into context for some of our northern listeners about where you are in the, in the city and the size of the club compared to uh, your bigger neighbours. But just remind us where Orient were in the table when all, was, all this stopped. Oh, but, uh, seems like a long time ago. I think 19th or around there. Uh, so comfortably, comfortably above relegation. That had become certainly no, no real consideration for a number of weeks now. Uh, playoffs uh, would have been a real sort of pipe dream with the remainder of the season that was left. So, yeah, comfortably and uh, in more mid-table boredom, as I sometimes called it. But, it, yeah, it was anything but. We turned a corner under Ross Embleton as head coach and uh, yeah, were and hopefully are looking forward to the remainder of the season. This is a difficult question, Dan. Can you give us any indication of what the last couple of weeks have been like for you? Yeah, it's been, I mean, from a player's perspective, it's obviously, it must be so difficult. I don't know, and rightly, you know, I can understand it, and rightly so, how quick they're going to be able to get out. Will they be able to get out? And, you know, then you go to, you know, play opposition that perhaps aren't ready, et cetera, et cetera. But right now, it's just about case of ticking over. Obviously, that our focus has switched with uh, the player proven positive today. So it's, you know, mm. very much the health and well-being of everyone connected to the club, first and foremost. But, 
it must be very challenging from a player's point of view, and it's certainly challenging from everyone off off the pitch. Uh, can you give an indication as well how much match day revenue are, are, you, are you losing? What what do you turn over on a match day normally? Yeah, we've we've sort of looked at it from the point of view of what it does to the bottom line, uh, and it's it's a reasonable five figure sum that we lose per game, and it's not just our. Uh, direct income from ticketing. It's the you know potential of season ticket monies that potentially would have to be given back. It's the secondary spend in the shop, the bars, programs, hospitality, sponsorship of the game, etc., etc. And it's it does add up to a to a large figure. And it's not just us that will be affected. It'll be our supporters club bar. It will be the bars, restaurants, and takeaways, etc. In the near vicinity, you know, it's going to be affected. Yeah, across a large number of companies, not just the football club. Kieran, I'm, I'm guessing that most clubs in League Two have a similar uh, in-going, in outgoing situation financially. So, will Orient be in the same situation as every club in, the, in League Two? Will some be better off, worse off? Well, I means some clubs do have uh, very generous owners who who are therefore give give slightly bigger budgets. Um, but I think Orient are trying to do it the right way, and, and you know. Uh, they they set a fairly tight budget in that division, I think, and and survive on that basis with with a view to developing players and to ideally get into the playoffs and get up into League One. Uh, certainly, the, the figures which I've seen quoted by some of the other clubs in the lower leagues, they're they're talking you know 40 grand a week or 40 grand a home match. Uh, I think was the the comments from the likes of Rochdale. Uh, admittedly, they're in League One as opposed to League Two, but you know it's it's a lot of money. Um, presumably, Danny, the the the, the uh, scheme uh, from the EFL and and the the announcements of the Chancellor that they will give you some breathing space. Is that a fair comment? It aids cash flow, and I think it's wise to to praise everyone at the EFL, and especially Rick Parry. They've been you know forward thinking in this. They've certainly aided the cash flow, but yeah, ultimately it's money that we would have received. But yeah, it's very welcome to receive those now and in the very near future, rather than when it was due. Do you know? This is a horrible question to ask, Danny. But do you know how long you can manage without match day income? It's a really difficult one to answer. We we are lucky that we have got a, an experienced board. We've got you know, boards half American based, half UK based, and you know they run yeah. multinational businesses, each of them, and it's and have you know, wealth of experience. So it's a really difficult one to answer that. But ultimately, as a football club, we want to be sustainable. We can't continue to rely on benefactors. Uh, we have done over the last few years. They've been abs- absolutely phenomenal uh, since the takeover in 2017. And we were starting to get on the track. There was a huge, huge way to go to get to sustainability. And we defined that by getting close to break even. Uh, prior to this, we genuinely believe that could happen. But it still has to happen. But first and foremost, we're worried about the, the health and well-being of, of the here and now of, of players and everyone associated. That's our top priority in course it is. Uh, of course, yes. Um, in terms in terms of the players, how's this going to impact on player contracts? Kieran's given us some idea of what might happen, but you have, have you got loans there? Have you got players whose contracts are coming up? Yeah, we've got players out on loan and we've got players in loan uh, from, from a couple of different clubs, including a Premier League team. And it is something that we're going to have to look at as and when we get nearer to hopefully getting back out on the pitch and playing it's yeah it's very difficult question to answer that at the moment yeah Uh, but it's a complex field and yeah every club up and down the land will be having those discussions with with parent clubs presumably the 30th of june is is a good date if if you could get all the matches completed by then that'll be one less problem to have to deal with would that be the case it would certainly be one less hurdle to overcome but i think the reality of this whenever we do start to play and hopefully it is when not if 
rule books have kind of got to go out the window. You know, we're going to have to look about how those contracts will work if it is to go into July and you know, have a bit even further into the calendar year than that. We're just going to have to think creatively. The authorities are going to have to think creatively and the, the priority is that we, in a safe environment, get this season finished and without a huge impact on next season. So, Danny, talking to other CEOs and other chairmen, is your instinct is that everybody wants to get the season finished? Nobody wants it to, to, to stop now? You, even if it's behind closed doors, you think the only fair way is to actually play football and end the competition? So we're in the game four. We want to play. We want when you start or finish, finish the season. We're obviously in unprecedented waters, but yeah, virtually. Well, I think every CEO and chairman spoken to, uh, we're in sort of daily dialogue with League One and League Two uh, chairmen and CEOs, and that's certainly the desire at the moment. But as time goes on, how that desire can be realised, only time will tell. Are you talking as well to the the Premier League clubs near you? I mean, Spurs and West Ham are not far away. We very much want that dialogue for now to go through the EFL. Right. They will have, I'm sure, discussions with the Premier League in unison from a from a football point of view and from a finance point of view. But yeah, we, we first and foremost want to make sure we're doing everything we can, and we've worked on. I want to really applaud all of my staff. Absolutely, everyone on and off the pitch has done a phenomenal job over the last seven days to to make sure we're reducing our cost base and giving us the best chance possible to reduce the loss that we're going to naturally sustain during this period, however long that is. Well, your, your staff are also doing a, a sterling job in trying to raise morale and raise money with a, a sort of football tournament, a virtual football tournament, but mainly you, you've got FIFA 20 going on, haven't you? Yeah, so as, as we speak, they're playing Locomotive Moscow in virtual Brow Group Stadium. <laughs> and yeah, the, the work I talk about, Praising staff, but there's two staff that really do deserve praise. It's my my new media team of Luke and Dan, who relatively new coming to it. Luke, as the media manager, has just been a few weeks in. It was predominantly his uh, brainchild, along with Dan, and they came up with the idea a week this time last week, and it has escalated into something crazy. We've now tried to monetize that for the greater good of EFL clubs, uh, and we're well over the 50,000 mark now. And that will be also shared with Mind Charity, who you can imagine, sadly, will be very busy over the coming weeks yep. and months. Uh, and also to help a small part in to find the vaccine for this, this coronavirus, which the tournament wouldn't have uh, obviously been in existence should it uh-huh. not be for the virus. So, yeah, the, the work they've done, the exposure we've given us has been absolutely phenomenal. It's great engagement with, with our fans and other fans at uh, what is a very difficult and challenging time. Uh, how's the game... Uh, yeah, hundred. I want to say 132, somewhere around there. So you had to double it. Well, the interest was absolutely huge, and we have got you know absolutely huge clubs. You know, we're never going to play Locomotive Moscow in a European competition, or certainly not in the, the next few years. But yeah, we we get to do it in a virtual world at least, and uh, yeah, long may it continue in terms of that engagement. Uh, what's what's the score at the moment, Danny? Uh, it was three one on my last update, but yeah, we, we the, our goalkeeper Sam Sargent, uh, he's always boasted that he's a FIFA expert so so far he's <laughs> going to get some ribbons in the uh, players whatsapp group but yeah there's time to turn it around and uh, yeah we'll, we'll find out if he's as good as what he says well we'll let you get back to the game the one thing I do want to end on you mentioned mind there it, this has really brought into focus the amount of work that football clubs do for their local communities doesn't it not just charities but individual people as well uh, they've become a focal point, which is, it's, it's a good thing that people are starting to realise how important football clubs can be to their community and how we need to get clubs through this to help the community at a time when they most need it. Do you know what? I think it's been a sort of an opportunity, it's one that we probably wish we didn't have, to actually showcase what football clubs, whether you're a Premier League club or you're an EFL club, 
do within their community and it, it often goes unnoticed as the odd snippet but it's absolutely you cannot underestimate all of the work that's put in by players by community staff often on relatively low wages and it is absolutely you know, first and foremost it is nothing more important than that at the moment we're doing a number of things to, to engage with our community look after elderly and vulnerable and we will be announcing in, in sort of coming days and weeks when it's appropriate of how we can play our small part in thanking our local NHS and social workers etc and you know fo- football is going to be in a really dark time for, for, for weeks and you know months ahead but for, yeah right now we've got to remember what uh people are really sacrificing you know on that front line in the hospitals in the wards and uh you know football's important and when we do get back out there football will be a great release but it will also be a way to thank everyone that's helped us through these very difficult times well said uh, lovely words danny and, and we'll i promise you we will talk again when times are happier um and when you're through to that fifa final playing Bayern <laughs> munich <laughs> after you come back from three, after you come back from three one down against Lokomotiv, you, you never know. But it'll be good to talk because uh, we're doing an awful lot of, uh, from a club very different to others, streaming soccer camps, etc. So, be yeah. good to discuss that at some stage. But yeah, always listen to the podcast. Always a great listen uh, and it keeps me entertained on my long journeys into London. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. The, my first pint back at football will be at Sellers Park, and Kieran's will be at the Amex. But we'll, the, the second pint we have, we'll, we'll do it at Leighton Orient, mate. You're more than welcome to Borough Group Stadium any time you want, gents. Thank you very much, Danny. Lovely. Thanks for talking to us, Danny. Thank Take you. care now, Pleasure. mate. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So, yeah, Kieran, uh, good words from Danny in a difficult situation. Yes, uh, I think Danny uh, is a shining example of what we were talking about earlier in the sense that uh, football gets football gets a bad press at times, Um Partly part of that is justified on occasion, but in the majority, I think the people we've met uh, through doing this podcast uh, have been good people wanting to do the right things for the right reasons. So uh, mm. uh, I think he's a pretty inspirational guy. Uh, he, he acknowledges that you know the place that football is is ultimately it's a fairly trivial thing, uh, and I think. Uh, uh, Carlo Ancelotti's comment that football is the most important of the unimportant things in life has never rung true, and we owe such yeah. a huge amount to to those people who are presently on that front line. Oh, oh that's, well, we both owe before that. Well, I, owe, I can't tell you how much I owe my family owe to the NHS, so it's no surprise to me. Um, our pod will be continuing. We've got a couple in the can already with with questions, but. Um, Molly will have to, you, you've heard about Molly on this pod. Frankly, if Molly hadn't been here today, this wouldn't have happened. So we'll have to check Molly's diary, and when Molly's free, we'll, we'll carry on recording. And hopefully, we'll, we'll bring you some positive news as well as, as, as it's going to be bad news, but we will hopefully bring you positive news, and we'll, keep, we'll certainly keep talking to you. And we want you to keep talking to us. So this is um, a DAP DIP production, as you know. If you do have questions, specific questions about your club and how they're going to get through this crisis, then you need questions at priceoffootball.com. If you want more information about the Baroness and about my cat and Kieran's dog, Kieran's quite indiscreet. He'll happily provide details. So you can put those questions to priceoffootball.com as well. In the meantime, Kieran, I shall let you... The dog looks like he wants to be out for a walk. Yeah, but but unfortunately, living in the country, uh, it's quite easy for me to keep two metres away from anybody else. Uh, It's much tougher for people (laughs) in the cities, so... uh, God bless and look after yourself, folks. All right, stay safe. Take care, Kieran. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.
the price of football.